Chad's a little taller than me. I'm an addict named Deb. Um, wow, that's a lot. That's a lot of people for a dinner time meeting. I was hoping there would only be five people in the room. Oh, crap. Um, I always start by saying I'm an addict and then my name to help me stay focused on the similarities, not the differences. I heard a speaker say that years ago and it, it kind of stuck and resonated with me, right? I'll admit I'm nervous. It doesn't matter how many times I've done this. I still shake like a leaf and want to talk and really, really fast and then I forget to breathe and then I get all dizzy and it gets really bad. So bear with me. Um, yeah, qualifying. I'll start with that. I came from uh, just your typical middle-class family, father that had addiction issues, un untreated, let's say. And I was one of those kids where I didn't pick up until I was like 15, but I picked up other things. Like I would pick up a book and I'd sit there and read it for like five hours solid because I couldn't put it down. One page is too many and a thousand never enough. You know, like, addiction is throughout my entire life, no matter what it is. It doesn't matter what the substance is. I take everything to extremes, right? I was one of those kids where when you become my friend, I strangle your friendship because anyone else that you're friends with, I get jealous of. And, oh, my God, you might like them better than me. And I scare people away, right? Thank God I'm better at that today than I used to be. <coughs> So I started using around 15. I had the, oppor the opportunity and the privilege to go to Europe for an entire summer visiting relatives, right? And um, yeah, I was introduced to my first drug there and had an absolutely fantastic summer because no parents, just, just relatives, and they kind of just let me do my own thing, right? And came home and continued on. Like it was just, Deb's off on a roll, right? And that continued for many years. Just I was a total weekend warrior partier, right? Although the weekends got longer and longer and longer, where it starts on Thursday, ends on Monday. I did manage to graduate, and I went through one term of college, had this grandiose idea of what I was going to do, and then I was offered a job to do the exact same thing. I'm like, hmm, money school? No, I'm going to make money instead, right? So that having money in, coming in constantly, that made things much easier for me, right? I've been working part-time before that, but now I've got no bills. I've got lots of money because I'm working full-time, and I've got a job, and I, I managed to keep that job for a very long time, but um, I was not very functional a lot of the time, right? Show up, mon show up to work on Monday morning, but the brain wasn't quite functioning the way it was supposed to. And especially I'm on Friday morning as well, and then it got later and later and later. And met this guy when I was in school and took that to extremes and total obsession and, I don't know, oh, brain fart. So ended up, sorry, I just went totally blank on what I was saying. So when I was in high school, I met this guy and just hung out with him and all his friends, it was me and all the guys, because it was me and, me and the boyfriend and all his friends, right? Connections with women never happened for me. To me, the women were the catty girls in school that were prettier than me, smarter than me, more put together than me, more popular than me. 
and I just was on my own. I was always hanging out with the guys because they were easier to work around. They were always friendly. They always they were always willing to talk to me for some reason, right? Whereas the girls, they saw through my, my bull crap, trying not to swear. And um, yeah, sometimes I do well, sometimes I fail. And I just wasn't willing to be open to women because frankly, you scared the crap out of me, right? I didn't know how to open up. I knew how to lock things down and keep it under control and keep my emotions under control. So the boyfriend eventually got married to him. My family life wasn't that great. My dad was, a, my father was abusive, verbally abusive. So moved from father's house to the boyfriend's husband's house, got married at 20. And we just, we, we used and we partied every weekend. And it wasn't an everyday thing, but I mean, it was close enough, right? I ended up having three children with that man, and lucky, great, I'm grateful to my higher power for helping me to quit using every time soon as I found out I was pregnant, right? So I had clean pregnancies for all three of my kids, but man, with, with each, as soon as I've had each kid, with each one, the return to using got quicker and quicker and quicker. My, fir- my, my first son, I was back using within six months. My daughter was like three months. My, my last son was like within a month, right? So needless to say, for my third son, my, my third kid, I was not available for him. I was not emotionally available for him for the first like three years of his life. Not long after I had my third son, I was introduced to another drug that made me very, helped me be very functional. Um, I, could, I could walk and talk and not trip and not fall down and not make an idiot out of myself, so I thought. <laughs> Apparently, not so much, but I thought so. And then once I was introduced to that, I was off to the races. I was just totally gone, right? It went from a weekend thing to a, from a weekend thing to a three-day thing to a four-day thing to an every single day thing. Within six months, I was I was done. Like it just it took me out and it took me down that fast. <clears throat> In hindsight, you know it's bad when the guy that you're using with is saying, you know, there's this place you can go where you can, they'll help you stop using for a couple of days, they'll give you four, three hots and a cot for like a week, you can chill out and take a break, and when your using buddy that you're supplying is telling you this, I should have had an idea there was a problem, right? But no, it took me a couple more months, I guess, to figure it out that, hey, this is a problem. One night, came home, and my husband said, that's it, I'm done. Like, he used to, but he didn't use the way I used. He didn't use the same things I used, so what I was doing, he wasn't too on board with. So he took my cash card, he took my wallet, he took my keys, he said, you're not going anywhere. Well, that didn't go over very well. (laughs) I kind of lost it all over him, and the next day, I called up my buddy, and I said, okay, where do I go? How do I do, how do I stop? I don't know how to stop. Before that, I'd gone, like, I would go to the odd work function. And I, when I went to these functions, I knew, don't have one drink. Don't have one whatever. Because I know I can't stop at one. So if I have none, I'm good. I can make it through this thing. You think that I would have some idea, right? But no, no clue whatsoever. So my buddy entered, gave me the instructions for how to call a local detox. And he'd done it many times before. 
So I got myself into a detox, and that's where I was introduced to the, to the message of Narcotics Anonymous. You know, like a whole bunch of different fellowships came in and shared their stories. But this one woman who spoke there just totally spoke to me. Her story was similar to mine. Her background was similar to mine. And I connected. I, for the first time, I connected with a woman, right? I, that same day, uh, the day that I got out of detox, I went to a Narcotics Anonymous meeting. Of course, I met a guy in detox, right? Don't all great stories start that way? I met a guy in detox. <laughs> yeah, usually they're not great stories, right? But I left detox with this guy. I was still married to my husband, still living with my husband. Needless to say, I was pretty sick when I was new, right? So I left detox with this guy. But that night, he called me, wanted an excuse to hang out, right? Let's go to an NA meeting. Okay, sure. So I went to an NA meeting, and then every night for the next six months, went to, went to an NA meeting every single night. That woman that spoke at the detox, that spoke on the, the H&I panel, I ran into her a couple of times, and I eventually asked her to be my sponsor, right? Because <coughs> I connected with her. I would not talk to a single other woman in the fellowship. Talked to quite a few guys, and kept hanging out with the guy from detox. But uh, no connections with women, no steps, didn't do anything other than go to meetings. Believe me, I do not suggest that. It made for a very crazy person. I put down the dope, but that's the only thing I put down. I was still acting out in all sorts of behaviors, right? Um, yeah, getting violent and just raging all over the place. and. You name it, I was doing it, pretty much. I'd leave a meeting on a Friday night and still go to the bar to hang out with my friends because I didn't want to give up the lifestyle. Because I hadn't done any work on myself, like absolutely nothing. So needless to say, at six months clean, I came home to a restraining order on my door. I was, my husband had had enough. He's like, I'm not doing this anymore. You're, you're destroying our kids' lives. You're destroying my life. You're destroying your life. You need to get the heck out, right? <clears throat> so six months clean, restraining order on the door, 200 bucks in my, in my pocket, supervised visitation with my kids instantly, and I didn't know where, what to do, where to go. And I don't know what, it, my higher power stepped into my life at that moment, because I called my sponsor, not the guy, right? And believe me, that was not me. My first thing is get a guy to help me out, right? Because it, it works. It's easy. But I called my sponsor, and she found me a place to stay. And she helped me find somewhere to crash for the next week till I could figure my, my stuff out, right? And that's where just another recovering addict fits in for me, that we're all equal, we're all the same. No matter what's going on in our, in our lives or in my life, I can reach out to the people in this program. And, man, she saved my day, and, and my higher power saved my butt for helping me reach out to a woman instead of to a guy. Because it helped me to, to realize that I can do this on, by myself. I don't need to rely on someone else to get me through things. So, finally, I picked up some steps, and I opened the step guide, and I started writing, writing some stuff down, right? And the change was very gradual, but I started to notice a change, right? Started to notice that I was becoming a little more open and a little less harsh. And 
I don't know. It was just me getting a connection to a higher power. I was raised in a religious household where hearing the word God in the meetings was like, no, I'm not interested in that. I don't, as far as that God's concerned, I'm going to hell. And there's, there's just no coming back from that, right? But it was coming to the understanding that my higher power is my higher power. It doesn't have to be the higher power of my ch- childhood, of my parents, of you, of, of the other people in the room. It's mine. Just another recovering addict. Each one of us gets to have our own vision and understanding of our higher power. And I started to get a connection to that higher power, right? Um, I ended up marrying that guy from Detox. You know, three years later, we ended up getting married, and we're still married, gratefully. Um, sorry, thinking. <laughs> thinking isn't good. Thinking is scary. Weird, weird, weird stuff goes on up here sometimes. At six months clean, not long after the whole shitstorm and, and figuring that stuff out, we, we had certain meetings that we went to in our community, right? So there was one small meeting. There was like three home group members that we just atten- we attended every single week, right? One of the members of the home group looked to my boyfriend and said, okay, the group voted. You're now our GSR. Okay, cool. What's that? Right? And they said, well, you go to this area thing. So he goes, right? I figured, okay, I'll try something else, something new. Nobody's ever asked me to do anything before. So he goes. He comes back. He leaves at 7 o'clock at night, doesn't come back till midnight. He's like, these people are crazy. All they did was fight about this policy document all night. So needless to say, I followed him the next night because I had to find out all about this. It sounded right up my alley. <laughs> and then eventually he, he got elected to RCM to go to the regional table. Well, I had to go along as the little sidekick, you know? Two, two years later, I finally got a position. I traveled to the regional body for two months just to check, for two years, just to check it out, just being a part of, right? Because what I saw there, what I saw in those meetings, in those service meetings, was people that were really dedicated to Narcotics Anonymous. People that were figuring out how this stuff works, how to help make it work better. And at that time, there was a lot of control, so it felt really good, right? Um, yeah, just fast forward, I ended up doing a set of steps around service work, around why I do service work, how I do service work, how I treat people in service work, ended up having to make an amends to an area body, because I was that person sitting at the table, you need to do this, and you need to do that, and that, that's never good, thank God I'm not that person anymore, right? But those kids that I had with the first husband, um, he got full custody, I got eventually going through all sorts of hoops and jumps and court and lawyers and you name it, like a two-year process. I finally got rid of the supervised visitation, which took took a long time. But Dad had full custody, and I had guardianship or whatever. I can't remember. They're grown now, so it doesn't really matter anymore. But it was hard. Like I went from a place of, in my addiction in my first couple of months when I was nuts, my, I, my kids weren't, didn't interest me. They were in the way. They, they got in the way of me having fun because I was so self-centered that they just weren't even a blip on my radar. But as soon as they were gone and I couldn't have them, man, it broke my heart. And I didn't know what to do, right? But I, reached, I actually reached out to my sponsor at that time, like, help me. I need help, right? And that was my higher power helping me ask for help. Eventually, once my kids were, were older, things went kind of sideways in their dad's house. 
and two of them ended up moving in with, back in with me. One of them had only lasted for about two months. I think she was just trying to manipulate Dad a bit, but <laughs> which happens with the 16-year-old girl. But my young, yeah, exactly. But my youngest son, he stayed with me for about three years until he was finished school and didn't want to go to work. So it's like, yeah, I'm going back to Dad. Dad will let me stay home and do nothing. <laughs> Fine, Dad can support you. I'm good with that, right? But it was by not by modeling and showing. Um, the program that I that I work in my life today that made it appealing for them to come to my house to come and live with me when things went sideways where they were living right if I was still that hopeless crazy person that was using before they wouldn't have wanted nothing to do with me it was my oldest son still lives with me he moved in about god four or five years ago now I don't think I'm ever going to get rid of him but uh, I'm like I can't provide everything Dad can provide, right? said, you might want to go live with Dad because he can give you more than I can. He goes, no, he goes, I, I like the feel here. I like the way that you and Steve live, and I like the way that it feels. Like, it just feels good in my heart. I'm like, well, that's darn cool, and I think I'll, I'll keep with that, right? We just won't have this conversation again. <clears throat> my connection with women has been an on-again, off-again thing for most of my recovery, right? I'll let a few in and then something will happen and somebody will run away or somebody will do something and then I'll, I'll be scared and I won't open up again, right? I'll let it, and then I'll let a few in again and then you know how we are, right? We, we tend to scatter every once in a while. We'll build a, build a support group and then people scatter. It just happens, right? But about two years ago, I reached out to a bunch of women. I finally felt comfortable enough to open myself up and to let down the walls a bit. And now I'm this emotional person that I, I can't stand it. You know? <laughs> but I let these women into my life. I, I took the, the bull by the horn, so to speak, and started a step group and said, okay, I, I think I like her, and I think I like her, and I think I like her. Come, come work the steps with me, right? And that, man, nothing breaks down the walls better and quicker than working steps with a group of, group of women, group of guys for guys, sharing your, sharing your answers to the questions in the step guide. My God, ask the same thing three different ways. And if you don't got it, you're never going to get it, right? But I broke down those walls and I opened up to those women, not knowing that in the last four months I was really going to need those women. My husband relapsed about four months ago. I'd had one day more than him. Now I've got 15 years more than him. And that's his story, but my story is it kind of messed with my head. It, met, it made me uh, really recommitted to my recovery. I did a lot of service, but now I'm doing four meetings a week as well. I'm working my, I'm in a step group. I'm in, in a traditions group. I'm working with my sponsees. I'm connecting to my higher power on a regular basis. And I'm just, I'm, I'm in the middle. Like, this really spurred me to amp up my program. Because my first thought was, not to use dope, but I wanted to act out in behaviors, like, massively, right? But I reached out to the women in my life. And I said, I need help. I'm messed up, and I need help. And I, in my whole time here, I don't think I've ever picked up the phone and said, I'm, I messed up, and I need help. You know, and... You were there for me, right? Everyone was there for me. 
and I was I was reaching out in my community, in my province, across the world, because through doing service, I've had the opportunity to meet wonderful women all over this all over the place, right? And I've really bonded and connected with a whole bunch of them. To the point where now I'm not afraid to reach out. And here I'm getting all emotional again. <laughs> Today, earlier this week, I was getting all emotional and getting all choked up. And I'm like, I just want to lock that shit down, right? I don't want to feel it. I don't want to release it. And it's like, man, just release it for two minutes and I'm good to go for the rest of the week. But it's when I hold it in and don't let it go, my God, I get messed up, right? <laughs> So, I don't know if that was on the topic, but, um, and I don't, <laughs> I think I've got more time, but I think I'm out of words. So, thank you all for my, for my recovery. Without you, I wouldn't have any. I'd be talking to myself, which wouldn't work. And I'm just grateful for the fellowship and the program in Narcotics Anonymous. So, thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Deb. Okay, so on behalf of CCNA, we'd like to thank both of you for sharing your experience, strength, and hope. Um, and uh, I guess this is the end of our meeting, so would you please join us in a circle and close this meeting, and we will follow that by the Weavers and the Serenity Prayer.